Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we get started, wanted to introduce you all to the Union Sports Goalkeeping Community, a social media network that reimagines how communities engage, educate, and entertain one another. As an insider, we want to offer you all a sneak peek 30-day free trial before the public launch this winter. For more information, go to www.theunionsports.com or search for the Union Sports community in Apple or Google Play stores. Thanks to all of you for making the Union possible, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18 Live from United Soccer Coaches Convention in beautiful Kansas City, Missouri. I'm Michael Magid. With me, 99 World Cup winner, Suskia Weber, who's being mentioned quite a bit at this convention. You're, be, you're becoming the belle of the ball, it seems like, a little I, bit, I don't Suskia. really think that's it. I just I think I came out of, they thought, everybody thought I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh my God, you're still alive. <laughs> like, so The one and only, uh, as you can tell basically by his jacket that right here, he wants everyone to know that he's pro GK Academy, Omar Zini. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and joining us guys uh you you know her you love her the keeper institute's one and only ceo and founder jill lloyd and jill thanks for making the time considering you've got a lot going on right yeah, here. talk about the bell of the ball <laughs> okay no, I this know. has been fun like learning from so many different coaches catching up with people i'm i'm a little bit on social overload right now though <laughs> well i mean it's, it's, it was actually really cool because the thing is is that like last minute we were able to add more to your plate by putting you on this <laughs> podcast and asking you hey by the way if you're not busy this afternoon would you like to come on a panel uh that we're uh, presenting at 3 30 so if guys if you're watching this live right now at nice. united soccer coaches 3.30 p.m. in CC2105. So I we believe. can school Eric Winalda. That is the whole point. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you looked at me like you were going to kill me. You're no, like, no, no. You, can, you, can, you can, can say that. that. You've won a World I can Cup. Say you can I say that. I can't say anything. <laughs> like, I can say whatever I want to. I can't say well, anything. We're also going to outnumber him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, Eric, is this really what you were thinking at this moment? Oh. Come on. Oh, my gosh. Like, he's going to get put in a corner. Well, being put in a corner, Omar Zini doesn't even have a microphone right now. So, like, talk about being put in a corner right here. So. We'll share. It's okay. I, I'm on social <laughs> overload as well, so I'll just try to be, be behind the... Omar's, Omar's now just become a background performer. He's just like an extra in a movie. <laughs> he's just like, hey, can you play the role of goalkeeper coach? Number one. And he's I think the so far. Like, he looks the part, right? I think that was me yesterday with like Dan. I was just sitting over here like... <laughs> well, no, 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 no. You got you guys were having quite a quite a conversation. Yeah, though. it was, it was like, a, yeah, it was um, a little much. Jill, why not? But, but before kind of we get into everything, because I think we're going to talk a little bit about your presentation that you're giving at one thirty today. In what room is that? If you want to plug that to uh, anybody watching live or in the recording in the next few two hours, two five something. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. <laughs> two five zero oh something. Check your schedule. Check the app, guys. A B C D E F. I know. Somewhere in Kansas City. Yeah, it's somewhere, somewhere around this 800,000 square foot um, arena. Uh, yeah, so. uh, why don't you catch everybody up in kind of what you've been doing here at United Soccer Coaches? Um, well, on Wednesday night, I presented on training and teaching in a game-realistic environment. Uh, I was on a panel yesterday with Saskia and some other incredible, fabulous uh, goalkeeper coaches. And then today I'm presenting on the in-possession principles of goalkeeping, which I am thrilled and really, really excited to present on. I mean, I think one, one of the really cool things about that is that you've been putting a lot of time and effort into this whole entire project. So, but before we kind of get into it, like how, how do you kind of, what's your process into like putting a presentation together I'm for sorry, some young coaches no, out there? You're so pretty. You're so pretty. <laughs> Have a microphone. 
Um, <laughs> Go ahead. Really, uh, this presentation started from a need, and it, it started when COVID hit, honestly. Um, most of your listeners and viewers know that I'm really fortunate enough to work with Kaylin Sheridan, who's one of the best in the world, and Absolutely. reviewing one of her seasons um, in COVID, because that's really all we had uh, contact for was review. Um, looking back, and and the presentation starts with, is this really pressure? And it's a couple clips of her trying to solve pressure, and she hits one long, she gets one stripped off of her foot, and she's noted as one of the best in the world in possession. And there were still so many strides forward that she could continue to make. And so... As goalkeeper coaches, I think we try to instill a lot of principles in our goalkeepers, like if the ball's here, maybe position here, or if the ball's here, set here kind of thing. Um, and I realized that there wasn't really too much information on how to play in possession. Yeah. The FA put out play through, around, over, into, but I realized that our goalkeepers at TKI, that wasn't even a thought of play into, through, around, over, beyond because they couldn't find the time to find and execute those passes. Yeah. So how can we solve pressure? Um, and then taking the presentation a little bit further was Kalen evolved so much solving pressure that teams really started to sit back and be compact more and making it difficult to play out. So now how do we manipulate our opponent when they're not pressing us so that we can find a really high value pass? No, I think it's amazing, but think about it. If you become such a good goalkeeper at handling that, that you manipulate the way the other team plays against you, that's that's amazing. And that is actually what we want. Um, uh, and it's not trained enough how to play out under pressure, how to make those decisions, because they're really quick decisions. And I think for me, it's it's being ahead of the game. It's already understanding where where your outlets are, where people are, already having manipulated your chess pieces, put them in the right places defensively and everything, so that when you gain, gain control of the ball, it's an immediate transition. It's not a, okay, I have the ball, let me now think about it. It's too much, of, it's, that's too much time already. Well, thinking, thinking is slow anyway. Exactly. You don't want to think. Exactly. You want to rely on your instincts. And the way that you train your instincts is at training, painting those pictures. Yeah. And that's why being in a game realistic environment is so important because you need to see those triggers and those cues so that you don't have to think. Yeah. That, think second, about it's second honestly, nature. Think about this, the best saves of your life. Yeah. What were you thinking about that, those times? I wasn't thinking about nothing. Uh, to be uh, nothing. <laughs> and honestly, sometimes I think about some of the best saves of my life, which ended up in a good transition, hmm. you know, because I was already knew where certain people were. I knew where Mia was. I knew where Lily was. I knew where people were. So I was like, I was all over this save, all over this through ball, over everything. But where am I going from there? Yeah. Right. And that transition was immediate. Yeah. And that has to be trained. Yeah. I think, oh, go ahead. I, I think that's like the big one too of even just speaking with Phil Wedden. Like I, I showed him one of my clips like a few years back and he said, okay, well, after the goalkeeper catches the ball, is the play over? And I was like, well, no. And he's like, okay, well, they need to layer in distribution afterwards because that's just that's how the game works. It's part, of the, it's part of the same. It is. And I think that's where us as coaches as well, whether it's in our, in our session design or in for us like scouting reports and games of like, okay, can you notice they're pressing with two, they're sitting on the six, what openings do we have now? So then I've been on that where I'm like educating myself. I'm asking the goalkeepers, but I need to educate myself a little bit more of what is the picture you're seeing in front of you? And then obviously in the back of your mind, we've already trained all the pictures that you're seeing. And now you in like your arsenal now, like quarterbacks, you kind of go through every single read based on what the pressure is in front of you, what the coverage is. Right. And I think that's the next level for these goalkeepers is to like marry on the field technical and tactical, but also to the tactical side of what you see in video and then put those together so you can see it right away. And yeah. then now it's easy for you to have already answers 
to solution or solutions to things that could be presented um, in the near future. Well, because you're right, because the thinking, it's already too long. It's already too long. If I were to ask you guys and, you know, I'm presenting and showing a bunch of professional clips and we're also going to show you um, some examples of how we train it at TKI. But if I were to ask you, your youth goalkeepers that you work with, because that's who I'm here to talk to. Right, I'm here to talk to mostly youth goalkeeper coaches, right? If I asked you or them, what do you think your goalkeeper does the most off the ball? What are they thinking about? What do you think they would say? Um, like so when the ball's in the attacking third what are you doing <laughs> depends on their age probably what hands mom, on the, they're doing this mom they're, mom no, for lunch, right. or they're doing this stance right. or the girls have the hand on the hip right and because they so don't know that they're supposed to be scanning the entire game and they're still supposed to be organizing no 99 of the game you should be scanning whether you're scanning for pressure space and options in possession yes or whether you're scanning for where's the opponent and where can they potentially be the greatest threat to me right where's the break where's the breakdown where are the holes in this right now mm -hmm. how do i keep it in the attacking third right and it really all comes back to scanning which once we um educated our our students on what that is now they're actually looking more and not just seeing but lo like looking and 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 seeing the options and um of where can i play the ball where is my teammate what is the opponent pressing in a two front, a three front? Right, absolutely. And then that helps inform their decisions on where the spaces are going to be in the game. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things, you know, Jill, that you're bringing up right there that I'm just thinking about is just as I evolved as a, as a goalkeeper coach, I started recognizing the fact that just like when I just teach basic positioning in regards to movement off the ball, how much better my goalkeepers became because they didn't have to get forced into those final actions, mm -hmm. which we're trying to prevent. I think that's, that, that's, that's one of the main problems out there is like we're helping kids be able to su succeed by being able to make saves, but we're, we want them to not have to make saves if, mm -hmm. if, if possible. Yeah. One way that we kind of help with that is we show different pictures of where the ball is. And now we're, what's your job when the ball's here? And your team has it. What's the ball? Your your job when the ball's in the middle third and the opponent has it. What are your three jobs? Protect the space in behind the back line. Be high to support and communicate to mitigate any attacking uh, opportunities. Right. Yep. Um, and I think that w once they're exposed to that knowledge, they can do it. Kids want to do what their coaches are asking them to do. Absolutely. But it's our job to make it very clear to them and help them understand the game a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's key to say once they're exposed to that knowledge, because, you know, if you don't give the kids that knowledge, they are standing back there like looking at planes crossing overhead and and whatever. Else I was that kid. On. I was, too. <laughs> I know. I, I was that, too. I swear to God, I, I could tell you any tale like what a plane's name is by their tail colors because I'd be so bored. I'd be looking at it's like, that's KLM. That's Qantas. <laughs> that's American Airlines. Like, I swear to God, I swear, this is not a joke. That's serious. <laughs> give me the tools to be focusing on what I'm supposed to be focusing on. And now, obviously, that is where the breakdowns can happen, what we're doing on offense. And that means I think a lot of keepers fall into, oh, my coach wants me to communicate. I don't tell you your forward to shoot right don't tell them it has nothing to do with you mm -hmm. what does have to do with you is where's your outside back like are they tucked in are you ready for like a breakdown on the attack that will automatically turn into transition are you ready for that have you put those people in their right places mm -hmm. yeah. but we have to show them that and why yes mm -hmm. and i think um so we're getting into preseason now with vegas and uh tomas romero is one of our goalkeepers and i was pulling up all the the passing that he had last year with lafc and kind of situations that he found himself in and what his selection of pass was. And there was a moment where transitionally he's recovering and then they have, let's say, it's like five on five transition. The other team tries to do a penetrating pass. Our center back gets it. He turns to him and he gets it. So now 
like Carlos and all those guys are on that side, they're recovering. So when he receives the ball is his best chance or best option to try and play short or to go big. And we're just showing, like, I was just showing him in those situations, can we keep the ball in these situations versus taking a touch and playing big? And then obviously based on the pictures that you're seeing as, you, as we start to like get more and more reps of those same players, are there like Atuesta, does he want the ball in that area? So it's like in those areas, can we try and favor us by like five, six percentage points, a little bit more understanding through trends as well, not just what's seeing it, what you're seeing in the game, but trends. Like what, what players do you have personnel-wise that want the ball in those situations? Yeah, exactly. And if also, too, like we have guys who are good in the air, like Raheem Edwards, who is good in the air. If we play the ball uh, to him, is he better with the ball at his feet or trying to head the ball, playing it into a corner? So like those situations as well where it's like the more information you have, the more proactive you can be with your decision-making when the ball comes to you. Mm. Yeah, Mia, you see yell at me because like – in practice and stuff, I used to be on my page in a sense and say, like, okay, I've gotten this off across, I've done something, so I'm going to send her. She's not on board with it, you know? And she would be like, I, this isn't, you have to read me as well. You know, you can't just go with the, the th like, what it says on paper what I should do in this moment. And so if you also have to know your, your, your players, you have to know, you have to be able to read that, you have to understand, like, I learned, I learned, I think about 20 years later that she doesn't like to head the ball. So, and, and Mia knows that, and I'm not calling you out. I, I, I found that out. Um, and she stopped sending me that ball, and I'm like, okay, now I get it. But it was 20 years later. But at, at the same time, I agree with you. You have to also know it's not just the situation. It's also knowing your, your players as well. Yes. And I think that's at that point, too, I think. What was I going to say? I'm so sorry. I forgot what that I was going to say. You didn't know that Mia Hamlin. I'm like glad that. you grabbed the microphone. I said it. You're, Anybody you, can say he, it. He literally he grabs the microphone. He's, like, he's got something knows. he's going to say. <laughs> it was an epiphany when she told me that story like a couple months, like like two years ago. I was like, wait, what? That's why you got so <laughs> mad at me for sending you that ball. <laughs> I think that's so the last thing I'll say about that is also, too, when rewatching his footage, it was like, okay, what's the scoreline of the game? Are we chasing the game? Mm. Are the, is the other team pressing? Where, like, if they're pressing, 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 we take a touch, a floated ball down the middle, they're going to be on top of our center midfielder and we're going to be inviting more pressure. So there's so much context to it. But I think, like you said, in those classroom sessions, having them be able to, like, sit in their thoughts, reflect on what's happening there, so they at least have some muscle memory when they step into the field, their mental recall of, like, I've seen the situation, I probably not have acted in it, but I've seen it and I have a solution based on what I've seen. Yeah, I think the important thing there is how. Like, how do you play out instead of just hitting it long yeah. and how what tools do I have in my kit that can help me create more space or time away from pressure to give myself a better advantage to find a higher value pass and I think that's exactly what my presentation is all about and I think too often people think how can they do that with the ball um, and there are so many different ways that you can do it even before you receive yeah. the ball. And I think that that's a massive part of the game that goes under notice for, for goalkeepers in possession. And I, I've just recognized evenly with, uh, with myself personally, like just even, even playing recently, like I've gotten so much knowledge from people such as yourself that my possession play has gotten so much better just from literally honestly like watching like Keeper Institute videos and just realizing, like, oh my gosh, how much work I was trying to do with the ball when right. really all I had to do. But how did you learn that? Did you go out and train it? No. Or did you see the pictures? I saw the pictures. You saw the pictures yeah, literally right. on Instagram. Yeah. You saw the pictures. And then all of a sudden, your brain sees that over and over so many times that it can do it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's why when we're in training, we can't do distribution without any pressure. 
it is useless. You're not doing anything. Even if you're holding up a, a colored dot and telling them to go to a certain goal, that's not training in possession. Correct. You need someone, even if it's one person, even if you're doing an individual session where I'm playing the ball into the goalkeeper and then taking away one of their options and having them recognize which option is open. You can do it in an individual setting. You could do it in a team setting. But absolutely, when you're training it, it can't just be the goalkeeper clipping balls toward yeah, it. Yeah, but you goal. have to create that. I, I, I keep falling back on the word chaos, but you have to create that anxiety, that chaos, that quick thinking. You know, you do it really well in your sessions, Omar. You do. And I've watched your your um, distribution sessions and everything. And it's creating that you have to force that quick thinking. If you're doing it with keepers that they're like, oh, I'm going to take the ball. I'm going to knock it long. So that that's totally it, it doesn't work. It does not work. See, see, I have a question about that, Jill, because like, let's say like talking about the foundational ages, like I see a lot of coaches and they strip away the pressure because they're like, well, they need to just get comfortable with the ball first. They need to get comfortable with the ball. first. Yeah, but you but why be- can't they do it together? Like all of you the have clips, to get comfortable with the ball. I'm not saying I do this. I'm saying other pressure. coaches yeah, yeah. have done this. Yeah. A, a lot of the clips I'm going to share today in the presentation are 10 year olds because I want everyone in the presentation to understand that they can do it with 10 year olds. They can do it with kids who they feel aren't as advanced. If you give them the tool, you show them, let them try it two or three times and then create a game where you get points for executing whatever it is your intended outcome is. And a lot of the way we train with younger kids, like 10 year olds is in a small like sided game or four versus two that ends up with, you can score at the end on another goalkeeper. So you're doing in and keepers love that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So a question for you in those younger environments, the flow of the session, when you're trying to implement things like this, if they're not getting it right away, do you usually just let them kind of like, do you like insert a thought and then let the session flow from there? Or do you try and like stop it every single time to let them know what they're, what they're missing? You see what I'm saying? Cause I, I know you guys and I know it's like you, you think macro, like big picture. And I'm sure you've thought about how that impacts the, the, the player's decision-making and instinct. Yeah. I mean, when you're working with 10 year olds, they want to play. They yeah, want to play. Absolutely. You don't want to stop at yeah. session. And so I think the biggest thing for us is Omar super pass. That's a great penetrative pass. Naming what you did, not only for you to know that it was great, but everyone else in the group to know that was what we're looking for. And so I don't stop it and just say, well, Omar, why didn't you play through there? No, just just praising the positive moments and they get it. Like they're smart. They listen and they want to execute what you're asking them to do. So they grow. You, know? you did that really well. Sto- but I think if you're stopping and, and, and doing that, especially at a 10-year-old age and stuff like that, you're not you're not allowing them to develop mentally. You're not allowing them to f- – what what do we want? We want all of young kids to grow up to actually be thinkers, self-coaches. We want them to look at the game and say, I have multiple choices. How am I going to make these decisions and stuff? And if we're making the decisions for them and constantly stopping it and saying, why didn't you play through here? Why didn't you-? Now, if it's a systemic thing and they're constantly doing it, at some point you're going to be like, you keep playing the same ball with the same, same result. Like, what are your other options? But allow them – make the wrong – play allow them to say well that was wrong last time and that, they'll surprise you and they'll make the right decision coming up yeah. instead of constantly giving them the answers well one thing we try to do is like in a small group setting like that or a small sided setting all right i'll say we're going to play for two minutes try to find one opportunity right. to play a reverse pass 
Just try to find one. So the whole time they're looking for the right moment and they might not pick it the first few times because it wasn't on for them. But if I say try, even if they fail, they're still looking for that one moment that yeah. I'm trying to get them to identify. Absolutely. I have a question, Joel, in regards to trying to find the right moment. How, how much do you guys work at the Keeper Institute in regards to learning like the patterns of your specific teammates like and, and the players that you're playing with? Um, for me, like that's not really that that important especially at the the more like foundational stages okay. because even even with our older players like we're trying to provide the most broad experience ever like here are 15 different ways to solve pressure because <laughs> you might need them yeah, in absolutely. your team's game model absolutely. Yeah. and you know um you know whether it's playing high off your line or being a little bit more of a reactive goalkeeper we want to provide a broad experience where everyone can figure out I'm good at this. I need to improve here. I can solve this problem with all these different tools, but these few feel really good to me. I think um, I asked you this earlier in the convention, just about like if I were to speak to a head coach about allowing the goalkeepers to be a part of the sessions. Mm -hmm. And my mind just hearing you talking about this again, it's like when you're it's free flowing, you're doing rondos with the team and there's not really much of a uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's a punishment for losing the ball per se and you're part of a rondo it's kind of like okay next person go in or if you're playing midfield in a, in a bigger rondo so i'm just asking maybe some coaches out there maybe myself like do you recommend maybe like once a week or like a, a decent chunk for a session to allow a player to be involved in a team session without the goalkeeping mentality that's your one answer <laughs> absolutely because you're looking at it from a different point of view you have to look at it from the team's point of view as well that goalkeepers involved in rondos, which you know I believe in highly, it also creates a certain amount of trust with the field players in the goalkeeper because now they're looking at that one-two touch through through Lauren. She one touches, she's doing great at the rondo and everything like that, and they get comfortable playing through your goalkeeper and with your goalkeeper. It's not just about the goalkeeper; it's also about your team being comfortable with the goalkeeper. If you don't create that that symbiosis, then then you're asking somebody, to, and you don't put them in those situations you're asking somebody that doesn't necessarily has faith or trust in somebody to play a ball back to them under pressure so you have to create that yeah i was actually really i wouldn't Does say that lucky sense? that i broke my hand <laughs> twice but i had um and i was <laughs> trying to prepare for the 2011 world cup and uh broke my hand in january and then preseason started with our pro club uh, in february march and so for like the first month at least i couldn't catch a ball so i did the entire preseason as a field player yeah and it was wow blew my mind about what i'm capable of absolutely and like what did i you find out you were a better field player than you thought well, um, no. <laughs> no, but I think you probably found that you actually can see the game in a, in a way that you didn't realize. Like, yeah, I think I saw pressure a few times like when it was really tight and I was like, oh, I can do this. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not meant for the field by any means, but it helped develop a little bit more um, confidence in myself as well as exposed me to some things I needed to get better at as well. Mm -hmm. I think to that point, I think when you start playing on the field a little bit more, you realize every action causes a reaction. And even if it's tight space, even if you like get a pass back and it's high pressure, putting your foot on it, people are scattering and trying to find their, their position or trying to intercept the pass. Right. Same thing with us right in those situations. And Kaylin does it so well. You know, they say there's certain people who are just <clears throat> composed in moments that like other people would go crazy in. Mm -hmm. And I feel like watching her, you just kind of go, oh, OK, well, this person's got ice and like, you know, <laughs> in their veins. Like, I don't know how just the composure aspect where. To, to anybody else it would seem like i'm in a panic yeah versus kind of like okay. well 
Well, if you asked me to do elementary math, I'd be like, yeah, I can do that. That's easy. I don't even have to think about that. Put me in a calc class and now I'm not as yeah. comfortable, right? And the reason why <laughs> Kaylin looks like she has ice in her veins is because she's done it her entire life. Yeah. She feels comfortable. She knows where pressure and space and options are at all times because her head is continually scanning because she's done it over and over and over. You can't expect a, a goalkeeper to react like, like that without them training it. You right. can't say, okay, we do goalkeeping under pressure, distribution, stuff like that. But then, like, under high, high, high pressure, that it's imperative to put them into those situations. It's imperative to do rondos. It, it, it is. And it's quicker thinking than a lot of us can do in goalkeeper training. That's, that's honest. You know, it's quick pressure, really tight. It let, basically literally inside the six if we put it into yeah. a goalkeeping perspective. But to have the confidence to make those decisions and then in the bigger picture when you're in goal and you have more time to make those decisions, you have ice in your veins. Yeah, and I think it stems with the goalkeeper coach, yeah. 100%, or even the head coach, of I want you to be brave today. I want yeah. you to be brave in training. If you make a mistake, it's okay. I Absolutely. want you to be brave in this game. If we give up a goal, it's okay. You're going to get better and you're going to learn. And eventually you're going to be happy that you made those mistakes. But I think sometimes we don't have the patience. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure Steve wouldn't be mad, but he and I had a, like a, not an argument, but something, a rift during training. Our goalkeeper at the time, Alex was trying to, you know, he did in your session, kind of like show your hips this way, but then try and hit a penetrating pass. And it was a small sided game. He tried to hit a penetrating pass. The striker already knew his tendency, so he showed him that, okay, I don't see it. But then he shifted back in, stole the ball. They scored. Everybody get water. He came over. Steve was like, Alex, like, you cannot do that. Like, that is not okay. You're going to concede. You're going to continue to concede us and uh, put us in bad situations and concede goals like that. And then he was like, Omar, do you agree? And I was like, Steve, I, I don't agree. Um, <laughs> and he was like, and he was like, Oh, like he was, you know, Steve's, a, uh, if you don't know Steve, he's like a nice guy. Then he was like, oh, you don't agree. And he looked at me kind of like, okay. And I said, look, I, I think in those situations, we're working on those penetrating passes. And in games, he's found our six who is eager to receive the ball. And in, he loves, our six loves to turn in pressure. So Frank loves to do it in game. So why wouldn't I want it? He's like, but we're conceding goals because of it. He has to execute at a high clip if he's going to try that. So then afterwards, again, we don't have that coach, goalkeeper coach relationship yet. But these moments really help you develop that. So he pulls me aside and he goes, hey, look, I didn't want to be you know, rude in front of Alex there. But look, you and I need to be on the same page. I need to come down hard on him. That's, that's, that's my job to get results. But for you, keep praising that intent. I don't mind it. But again, let him know if it's not ah. done at a high standard, he will be on the bench. Ah. So it's just like that relationship of like, hey, I had, good, to, be, I had cop, to be brutal in front of him there. Yeah. But again, I like that you're trying that. Is that what your player needed at that moment? From me or from from Steve? No, is that what the player needed? Yeah, is that what I the, think that's the, that's me, the bigger that's question. The always the there question. may have been more context. I think maybe he had tried it earlier. They didn't score because of it, but he had tried it earlier, so it was twice. So but I think, I think Steve, what Joe's asking is, does your player react to that? Like, is that does is is that making? Because if if someone was telling me never do that, that would like 
put all, that would make me feel like I can't make mistakes. Sure. Right. Exactly. You know, you know what yeah. I mean? How so, is your, is your, it, it depends. Yeah. I think it's just whatever the player needs. And I don't know your player. Right. Yeah. And you can speak more about that. But I think when we're trying to create an environment where we want players to push their limits and, and their we boundaries, do. then we have to meet the player needs and we can't treat everyone the same. Of course. And I'm not saying that the way that the coach spoke to him was wrong, but I think as coaches, we have to really be mindful of what does the player need in that moment and how, what is our behavior and how does that influence uh, their ability to make decisions? You know? Right. Because I would look at it like if that, if, if hypothetically, if, if my head coach would come at me and say, what are you doing? Don't do that. My goalkeeper coach would be like, no, keep, keep extending your range. Keep trying that. Now I have conflicting information and the coach and the goalkeeper coach are like, no, I have to be hard on him. He doesn't know that. And you have to be like the good cop on him. I think that that's conflicting. Like, first of all, say, Hey, I think yes, I get for the head coach. I would disagree with this. I'm on your page. I'd be like hundred percent. Like, look, I get that. He's, he's forcing something he shouldn't, but we're also trying to extend him his range and see what he actually can do. So he's making a mistake. That's fine. But don't say he can never do it. No, no. Again, I don't want to speak for that. It just the, <laughs> from my recollection, I didn't say never, but, but he was saying, that. I think, right, right, no, right, I, right. I, I, I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah. But again, I think that was a good in terms of asking if, is that what Alex needed? I think for me, he understood that I have his back and I'm going to make sure that I stand by him and we're going to try and make those yeah. things. And I think Steve understood that as well when we kind of right, had right. some room to breathe. Again, we lost a lot of games last year. <laughs> so I think the context for him was like, we can't keep conceding goals on these dumb passes. We had like two or three passes in like 90th minute where it was a square ball by our center oh, back, Lord. literally shot in goal. So I think that's what led to, <laughs> into it. But I think you're right, though. I think that's yeah. exactly what it is. But I think it's so hard to get caught up. You get caught up in the micro day-to-day and the things that you say. And I think what you guys do really well is like macro big picture of how is this going to sit with that person? How is it going to sit with them and their confidence? And yeah. yeah, It's easy for us too, Omar. We don't have jobs on the line if we True. win or lose. You know? No, and in all, in all fairness, like I there don't. is no pressure. Um, <laughs> there's no pressure on us. We're just about player development. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, we encourage our goalkeepers to go and try stuff in games. But like. Yeah. And, and then the coach is sitting there <laughs> looking at you like. Right. <laughs> we said, don't, like, don't don't try. What? No. What? what, what just, I got it. Just don't talk to me. I got it. That was like pretty much mine. And Amanda, I'd be like the furthest seat away I could be and something would happen. And Lauren, she'd be like, and I'd be like, I see you. I got it. Just leave it alone. But that's what I love about a developmental system where, where I got it, where you're not, you're not beholden to any team that's trying to win games or anything Mm -hmm. like that. When you're talking about like the keeper Institute right there. Um, Jill, I have a question for you though, because one thing that I've recognized a lot is that goalkeepers will start understanding the principles of possession and then they'll move up a level Mm -hmm. and then everything falls apart because they're not used to the speed of play. Like how do you have any advice for, for a young goalkeeper who all of a sudden moves up to a higher level and now, and now everything's so fast that now they are thinking because they're not used to the speed. It's so funny. I mean, I said this yesterday and I'm going to say it again in my presentation again. Um, but this is always my greatest feedback. Try again. Absolutely. Try again. Maybe you haven't adjusted to the level. Well, guess what? When my when I first went to the national team, my head spun for three camps, three camps, and they didn't cut me. They didn't send me home and just say you're not ready. They just were like, "We're it's patience, you know. Try again. Try again, and you're gonna eventually adjust the speed and the level um, because it's gonna ask a lot of a lot more questions out of you at a quicker pace." I mean, I, I think that's a really that really good point by you there, what you're saying right there. And it, it, it sounds so simple. I think, you know, for, for a lot of people, I mean, I know for myself, for instance, when I jumped a level, I was expecting the same results 
doing the same things and recognized that it wasn't happening because I was a step, a step slow. So then I started playing a different type of game because I felt I had to in order to survive. And that is a detriment, obviously. Yeah, I think we, we typically ask this question. Um, and if you're at my demo, then you heard it. Would you do that again or would you try something different? Yeah, That's my question is, would you do that again? Yes, I would do that again, but I would scan earlier so that I knew I had more space on this side. You know, uh, would you try something different? Because then it gets your players really thinking about what happened um, objectively, like what happened. And then knowing myself and knowing what I know now, would you do the same thing again? Yeah. You know? Oh, I think, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you were no, say I have nothing. <laughs> it's part of the education of those those goalkeepers asking some of those questions and you instilling in them that how, how, how can they solve this in the run of play and, and in a timely manner on their own. Am I coming out wrong? Like if you're moving up a level and now the speed of play, the speed of the through ball, the people catching up to the through ball is a lot faster. So now my positioning has to change. Now my, my, my kind of anticipation of when to come, when not to come is totally changed. My distance off for a shot from the top of the 18 has totally changed because of the different strength on the ball, the space of the ball, the dipping of the ball. So you, you don't want to answer all those questions. It is do it again. Try again. Figure it out. Like you, you learn. You do learn by failure. Mm -hmm. You do. With assisted though. With like assist, assisted failure. People, Agreed. yeah. <laughs> people always say the game is the best teacher. It yes, with supportive but help. With with help, right? Yeah, like, yeah it comes because sometimes people aren't getting it, and you have to be like, okay, let's stop. Right. For a second. You know, like a good example, and I can say this, but Lauren was going too far near post on crosses over and over and over again with UCLA. And we, I was looking at it and trying it and I'd break down the video. And then it was like, I'd ask her the questions, ask her the questions and she couldn't solve it. And then the assisted help had to come in. Then it was like, I had, I had to curtail training sessions to show it to her and to, to kind of retrain her to understand her positioning was wrong across the board on this, on these situations. And, and so it's kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a give and take. Yeah. Just real quick, I think. Uh, oh, go ahead. Actually, you're gonna say something. Okay. No, I think um, another big one too in this, I guess, discussion is risk versus reward. And I think a lot of times, even even as a player myself, I thought a completed pass, completed pass, was the like a, a victory. When in reality, the risk was not worth the reward. You're trying to chip a ball into somebody down the midfield. We're getting pressed, and then that ball puts even more pressure on us if we don't win it. See what I'm saying? So, like, even if it's a completed pass, that person has three, four guys on them, and now all of a sudden, if the other team's, like, style of play is press, 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 are we playing into their style or are we trying to keep the ball? Right. You know, so I think that's where just, like, the, the nuance, like, the fluidity of, of that kind of concept. Yeah, I, I'm really big on this is, like, risk is relative, and I don't think people really understand that, um, how – you might be able to accomplish something and it's not really that risky for you, mm -hmm. but I'm not as good. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's risky for me. <laughs> and so when the coach says to you, don't do that again, it was too risky. My response is for who? Not me. <laughs> you know, yeah. like Kaylin's gotten that feedback before that was too risky. I'm like, that's not risky for you. I've seen you do that a million times. But again, I, I, I could put maybe Kaylin in the same class as Ederson mm -hmm. in the sense of they command and demand so much respect that, okay, you want to give me the short? Perfect. I'll take it. You want to give me the long? Shit, I'll take that too. Right. So I think that is where you have somebody who's playing at a clip that's much higher. Like I said, some, some, for some people, right. it may be a little bit different. But she, I think she commands so much respect of like, we'll show you that pass. We'll bait it. And she's like, you realize I can hit that ball 
and like make sure the person receiving it can also hit a great ball as well. Well, that's the other end of that. So then, then it's not risk. So if she knows that that person on the end of that can hit a great ball and you're giving a good services where you were saying I've dumped the ball. So I wasn't at risk. I gave my pass, but where was the reward? Because in the end of the game, they're pressing and you gave a shit pass to somebody that they can't control and three people are on top of them. So it's gotta be, three steps ahead exactly yeah. and that's knowing your per- kyp know your personnel yeah. know who you're playing the ball to and i think i, I last thing i'll say i had a guy on my team <laughs> who when i played was very good in the air terrible with his feet but he would always be <laughs> he would always be in that half space between the left center or the left back and then the i guess the left mid we played some teams who would go forward so he would always be in that pocket so when i got a pass back i always knew he's not a guy who wants the ball to his feet if I put it in the air, he'll flick it down the line, and now we're in that channel. Right. So, again, it's just knowing your personnel and obviously just knowing what the players want. Like, some people don't want the ball at their feet. Yeah, yeah. some people don't want the ball at their head. <laughs> <laughs> I think the caveat here is that earlier this year I was watching Ederson. You mentioned him, and he's a massive person that I like to study because he's just so good in possession, right? And I was watching City versus Arsenal. I think, I think it was this earlier this season, and Ederson got the ball back. Four times in a row, he gave the ball away in different circumstances. Tried to play the outside back, gave it away. Tried to play it through the center, gave it away. And they panned to Pep Guardiola. And Pep Guardiola is <laughs> giving him overhand claps over his head. Overhand claps. When you look at your coach and you've given the ball away four <laughs> times as the goalkeeper and your head coach is giving you overhand claps, that is amazing, first of all. Yeah. And that, you know what? On the fifth pass or sixth pass, he passed it. Uh, made a bounce pass, played it through, and eventually, like five seconds later, they scored from that. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that as coaches, we have to be okay with them making risky decisions and making mistakes. Ederson's the best in the world, and he's still making mistakes, yeah. and it is okay. You know? Yeah, and the reason Pep is clapping is because there's a there's a method to the madness. There's like, what are they trying to achieve? And obviously, there was a discussion beforehand, like, this is where we do want to look to play the ball because this is where we can penetrate. Try it. Try it. So he tries it five times. It's not working, but um, Pep sees that he's trying what they've worked on. Then on the sixth time, it works, and there's a goal. So you have to allow failure. You have to allow the plan to take place. It's not going to work every time, else it would have been 6 nothing, Right? Mm-hmm. But giving that giving that um confidence to your keeper is important yes but i think you need to to give you a devil's advocate like again just like i've seen it happen where our goalkeeper is really good with his feet and he literally kept playing the ball short on goal kicks three two two times in a row early in the game we're we're zero zero against san diego he plays the ball short i got our guy gives it away okay reset it goes out of bounds does it again right third time does it again so it's like I, as a coach, I give them the opportunity to be like, I'm not going to hound you because I know instinctually I want you to play off your instinct like how Pep does. Like, this is a system. You're the goalkeeper within that system. Free, free reign. Go for it. You earn the respect. But at the same time, at a certain point, you have to be like, that's what I told him. I said, Alex, the, that ball's not on. And I gave you the room. And again, assisted learning of like, they're in the, in, with Vegas with us, like they're in that like pre-pro phase where when they get to, when they get to LAFC, they should have already had all these things conceptually done by now. So I think I was just trying to be patient with it, but also too of like, do you not see tactically what they're trying to do? Right. They're and that's, baiting that's you to actually play. when you do get up off your chair. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> like Alex, they're baiting you to play our left center back who literally gets the ball, boots it, or like loses it down the field. So again, it's like understanding how to put yourself in favorable positions so that when you do receive the ball, the options are open. See what I'm saying? Yeah, but you also have to you have to give the knowledge of that player during, and I'm not saying you didn't during training and stuff like that. I've been in training with you know, and I'll go back to UCLA with Lauren and stuff where 
um, Mia was baiting her official was baiting her and baiting her and baiting her. I think it was, it was Lauren or it was Kelly. And, and every time given, taken away, she's like, come on, come on, play it short, play it short. And I'm like, and I stood there in practice going, okay. And I'm standing next to Sam in a minute. I'm like, let's see if she can figure out that like they have this figured out. And if she can change this, because we've given her the tools to understand that. And that's a, a person being educated in the game that says, no matter what we've asked for, if I've asked you to play out of the back, play out of the back, don't be so literal and understand the other team knows that's what we're doing. And now it's time to change tactics. And you have to be able to do that as an educated goalkeeper on the fly. And she didn't. And then we took a break. And I'm like, at what point are you going to realize that Mia and Raylan are just baiting you and you keep giving the ball when they've scored three goals because of it? And what are you going to change? that or do I need to get up and yell at you to change that you know so I, I'm trying to give you the education to make that decision and how do we get through that and you have to train that in practice as well Joel, we got we got a question you know, from if you don't agree it's okay <laughs> no I, my head's just turning because you guys are working in a team environment right where yeah. I'm, I'm thinking well I think I would ask well where's the space and how can you take advantage of that it's not necessarily that maybe we've done this three times in a row it didn't work well, what did you see and what were you Correct. trying to get? Yeah. What, what was your intent behind that ball? Were you just doing that because I asked you to play out of the Because back? this is what we were wanted you doing to set up that? the drill for. Right. Were you doing that to move the 9 and 10 to maybe exploit right. the space? Or what did you see? That, I think those would be some questions that I would ask. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Jill, there's a question from the audience right here. So I just want to <laughs> pu pull this up real quick because I think it's a good one, actually. <clears throat> from Adrian Cronin, goalkeeping. He goes, hi, guys. Do you find that you concentrate so much at grassroots level on building from the back? that the keeper's physical ability to play the ball further up the pitch is developed later in age. Do you sacrifice physical slash technical passing ability for tactical passing ability? I don't think you have to sacrifice anything. Neither. I, I hate, I, I'm a big, my biggest pet peeve is wasting time. It is my largest pet peeve in life. And I think if you just do technical or you just do tactical, you're wasting time. Absolutely. So I think it is a healthy dose of both. And yes, at the younger ages where they haven't developed that um, physical component yet, their range of pass, is, it is a lot harder to play a 60-yard pass, right? Like, <laughs> you can't yeah. do that I'd love yet. to meet that kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you do get to develop other elements of your game. And as the as the player starts to grow, then obviously the range of pass it increases and their ability to play a lot of options then it makes it a little easier honestly yeah. but here's a cop out as a coach and i would ask you this it, what is what is your goal what's your end game is your end game to win the game is your end game that um i need to i need a goalkeeper that can boot it and stuff like that or are you really trying to teach them soccer and deal with their abilities let's let's build out of the back okay that's not working well i'm not gonna bring my um i'm gonna bring my center back back who can boot the ball really far and i'm not gonna let my goalkeeper kick and so how are you ever going to develop your goalkeeper in a stressful situation, in a game situation, if that is your cop-out because it's more important at 10 years old to win a game that nobody cares about in history? Mm -hmm. Or are you actually trying to develop your players? And I'm sorry, but that's true. No, no, so, no. I, but I think I think a, a fair point. And Adrian, thank you for the, for the question. And I love these conversations. So please keep keep the conversation going, you know, regardless of whether, whether you agree or disagree. But also, I love – Jill, that you brought up the physical maturation issue right mm -hmm. there is that, yeah. you know, we're going to be working on distance passing, but they can't execute it. So it's not really going to be passing. It's just going to be more of them just hitting balls, hitting well, balls, hitting balls. I think that, I mean, I have limited time with goalkeepers per week. I'm not in an academy. I don't get to work with them four days per week where I might have more time to do some technical like right. in possession deliveries. Right. Yeah. But I give homework. Hey, 10 minutes, two times this week. I want you to just go out and hit 20 yard in grass cutters, right and left foot. Same thing. 
Right. Same thing. Two times 10 minutes. Are mm -hmm. you capable of doing that? Do you want to get better at this? Yes. Okay. 10 minutes. It's easy, right? It's also easier not to do that. But I don't have the time to work on right. developing a 10 year old's ability to incept strike. But we do it. We can work on scanning. Yeah. We can work on Absolutely. taking a touch into space to avoid pressure, right? And I've had parents come back to me, whether it's whether it's distribution, throwing, whatever it is, and I've given them their homework, and it's not a lot, and come back to me, and they're like, "Well, she's still not doing this well." And I'll turn them like, "How how much of the homework? <laughs> how much of the homework have you done? Did you go and throw against the wall like I told you in proper style yeah. twice this week or once this week? Did you go out with your dad in the park and like you know like really work on like knocking some long balls and stuff? No. Okay, so I have her you for one hour, <laughs> once a week." Do you want me just to practice on throwing and kicking this entire time? Or do we want to, like, you know, go over there? I've given you homework. So it, that's on the player as well. It's on the player. Trust me. I did my homework. I was out alone all the time, like, on tennis walls, hitting balls, like, in the field, doing everything I could on my own. And so, you know, that, that comes down to the player as well. There's only so much we can do as coaches in, in the situation you're in it. You know, I mean, I get it at a team environment when I see the girls like five days a week, but still, I, I still don't have them for that long. Yeah. Yeah. So what is for you in terms of like um, video sessions when you how do you showcase or how do you implement scanning without being on the field? Yep. Um, so usually before our programs, um, so like we have programming Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights where we see players and honestly, this came because of COVID because we can't get into a small room and watch video together anymore because we can't be within six feet apart. So um, we started to implement Sunday night Zoom class. So nice. on Sunday nights, we would watch film. We'd go over what we're going to do for the week and allow players to see it. Um, and then when they walk through the door, we ask them questions to get them to recall what they learned in that Zoom class. And then now we're going to do it in a training session where you're going to be able to try it then we're going to reflect what went well what was hard when can we scan scanning is an art right Absolutely. like when do yeah. i scan how do i scan what am i looking for um so then we just you know continue to ask them did it go well was it hard when can you continue to do these things and then we leave them with a question or some type of homework like hey talk to the, your parents about this on the way home teach them what scanning is because then you're getting them to think a little bit more about um what things are and get them to recall it so they can remember it hard to get kids to do homework it is yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of homework jill I, I i know you wanted to get to another session before your presentation today so i, I don't know how much time you got so if we need to start wrapping up just let us know i don't want to we don't want to keep it we're good we're good we're good i, I have to okay. go to the bathroom okay all right <laughs> <laughs> um i'm just being honest <laughs> all right well we're that's what it is live guys that's, that's why we do this live i'm not uh, shy <laughs> if uh, if anybody first off um if anybody's coming out to the to the principal's possession uh today or if they're coming there and they don't get a chance to talk to you what do you really want them to to get out of the session today um that it's hard yeah. coaching in general is hard right um but asking kids to go outside their comfort zone is hard but also like as a coach it getting out of your comfort zone is hard too because sometimes when i was like evolving as a coach I wanted things to look a certain way and I wanted kids to walk away always feeling so successful and sometimes it doesn't look like that and that's okay yeah and you have to continue to be brave just like you ask your the players that you get to work with to be brave um that it might not happen in the first few sessions and that's okay that each time that they try it and see the picture they're going to get better um 
and that you don't have to work with the best players in the world to do this. Um, that's my biggest takeaway is it, it's for 10 year olds who are just learning and it's for professionals who are continue to push their game. And, 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 and basically guys also, I really, 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 really stress if you're not familiar with the keeper Institute and what they're doing, maybe you've, you've just come across it, you know, here at the convention, if, if, if you're, if you're at the presentation, uh, or watching this live for the first time or anything like that, uh, where is the best place for them to, to check out all your stuff right now? Yeah. Um, at the keeper Institute on Instagram, I think at keeper Institute on Twitter, um, which is mostly our Instagram stuff, or you could just reach out to me, Jay Lloyd at the keeper Institute.com. Cool. Obviously, guys, and if you want to reach out to Suskia Weber, a lot of people have been doing that lately. <laughs> at Suskia I'm underscore Weber. <laughs> I, I, I should get your autograph, I, I think. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. I was just, no, I don't even want to get into it. Just thanks for reaching out to me last night. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Suskia Weber. But you can also find me at the Union, so yes. check me out there. And you're at Suskia Weber on the Union. I am at okay. Saskia Weber at the Union. I'm also at Saskia Weber, uh, Saskia underscore Weber at um, all other social media platforms. Uh -oh. Did I do that well? Yes, you did. You, you, did, a, you did a great. You me. did a great. Contacted <laughs> okay. inside the 18. That's the number 18media.com. If you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion or at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social media platforms, including the Union uh, at ProGK Academy underscore on Instagram, but at ProGK Academy on the Union. Anything else you want to plug, Omar? You, we got a presentation at 3.30. Oh, my gosh. We should probably plug that. We have a presentation at 3.30. You want to talk a little bit about that real quick? Uh, sure. We're just, yeah, inside. <laughs> we have a presentation at 3.30. <laughs> uh, it's, it's called Inside the Mind of the Opponent. And I think um, we have preconceived ideas of what strikers think about us and how they watch us in, in preparation to, to play against certain goalkeepers. And obviously, we do the same thing on the other side of it. So just a nice, healthy conversation around that and, and different video clips to uh, – support uh different uh situations so it'll be fun so basically we're hammering eric winola that's about yeah you yeah, guys just just to let you know it's not it's not just, it's not just literally just gonna be this entire group right here it's gonna be this group and eric winola yeah so, so uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun guys so we're looking forward to that and uh jill lloyden is also uh gonna be a special guest on that panel uh now thanks as for well, having me i'm well, not too. sure what i'm getting myself into yeah the, the way you <laughs> did that face fun. right there i was like it'll wait, be did, fun did, did, it'll be yeah, fun yeah, yeah, yeah. did, did fun. she commit yet because like the way she, she did it she's <laughs> no, like it'll be nobody fun. told me nobody told me <laughs> um all right guys that's all the time on inside the 18 and we will see you later we are out as soon as i figure out how to do this here we go yeah.